You're going to see the interview everyone is going to be talking about. Wagon wheel, what to see? What do I think of her? Yes. I don't think of her. Then we become divas as opposed to just strong women. Ah, oh, coughing during my interview, really? It feels uh, reductive. And welcome to Big Diva Energy, the podcast for and about fabulous people being fucking extralent. I'm Holly Morgan and my husband Tom is also here. Oh baby, baby. Divas, it doesn't get bigger. (sighs) For more than two decades, our subject has been one of the most successful solo acts in music, who redefined both pop music and divadom itself. We're talking over 100 million records sold worldwide, two-time Forbes-ranked highest paid female musician, Grammy, Guinness World Record, MTV VMA, Billboard Award winner, with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and a place in the hearts of millions upon millions of devoted fans. I mean, it's it's, it's Britney, bitch. Whoa, that, that is a big, big hitter. It's huge. It's huge. And that is why we have made a mammoth decision we are going to break it down for you divas we have made the decision to do a slow burn on this one we're going to take our time we're going to take our time dishing out that louisiana sweet tea and biscuits on britney so we're starting at the very beginning we're going up to 2002 only in this divine section and then we're just gonna ease on down the road with britney every so often we'll give you a britney app because you can't rush it no you know? and neither should you no and you know <gasps> that we had to have someone iconic with us to discuss one of the greatest divas of all time. Gather round, children. Our subject is absolutely fucking hilarious. You may have caught their stand-up show. Wait, let's have fun. At the Edinburgh Fringe or here in London. You might have been lucky to get a ticket in NYC, LA, Chicago or Fort Lauderdale because they sold out, diva. Maybe you know them from Voldemort, the Teenage Hogwarts musical parody at the Edinburgh Fringe or for their role in New York Times Critics Pick, Fifty Shades, the musical or... As part of the all-queer improv team, The Agenda, and the Uprights, I'm so excited, and the Uprights <laughs> Citizens Brigade, you could have seen them at San Francisco Sketchfest, or DragCon LA, or DragCon UK. Our guest is Quirty nominated for their sickening Untuck the Musical viral video. Check it the fuck out if you haven't already, and while you're there, get We Get It. You know each other, or the nice gaze in your eyes. If you haven't liked, subscribed, and devoured my favourite podcast, Slumber Party, then... Okay, it's a rare move. It's a rare move for a podcast host, but I'm going to ask you all to turn this one off now. Go and listen to Holly and Chris Adams chatting about Out for Blood. Then come straight back, because Divas, we've booked him, Murray! Dear diary, today I saw a boy. Oh, my. She's in the room. She's in the room. She's in the pocket. She is ready to talk divas. So happy to be here with you both. You're so just joyous, joyous people. So thrilled. We've been so looking forward to having you on. It's just, it's such a treat. We've Some never of, had an intro like that. No. It was... Multi-paragraph. That oh, yeah. made me realize that I need to edit down my bio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming it's in fun. hot with the big diva energy. That is, um, I would venture to say, too long. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for, uh, for uh, bearing with. That was not... That's not, I don't think, how Brittany would present herself. She would say, <laughs> she'd be like, I'm just a hometown girl. Um, you know. Nothing. Oh my goodness. I'm very yeah. modest. And I'm over here just like, please read my entire Edinburgh Fringe. 
<laughs> promo bio. <laughs> unfurling a great scroll yeah. from the top of the stage. Like, Truly. The credits from the program. <laughs> Britney's like four numbers in. You're like, wait, <laughs> we haven't covered Edinburgh Fringe. Wait, I know. That's like, that's the bio I use when I'm just like, when I'm trying to let my mom know that I still do this for a living. <laughs> I'm like, please, I promise, Mom, I have done stuff. Like, yes. please understand. No, no, you've got to listen. These two British people read out what I did. She's always like, what's a podcast? <laughs> yeah. What is this pod smash you're on? She got extremely mad at me the other day because I asked her to watch. I was like, I'm doing a, uh, you know, the podcast and you can see it on YouTube. And she was like, oh, come on now. I thought podcasts were only for listening. There's <laughs> videos too. You're just confusing me. I was like, oh my God. Bless her. Is she, does she still live in Ohio? She does. And they're actually, they're doubly vaccinated now. And they've been Amaze. at home in Ohio the whole year and a half. So they're here now in LA visiting oh. me. And I've been able to see them and it's been magical. We talked about my very first ever concert <gasps> that my mom took me to, which of course was the Baby One More Time concert. Oh my God. Yes. In the mall or in the stadium? <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you imagine if you had seen, I, I wish I'd seen her in the malls. I, 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 I am obsessed with the malls. <laughs> Can you even? I cannot even. Like, <laughs> wow. I would have I would have truly died. No, but I did see her very, very first concert. And I mean, what a true testament to like what a real diva she is. Because I remember she had four openers. No. You know, she was like, what, 16 or 17 years old at the yes. time? She had four different groups opening for her. And none of them went on to do anything <laughs> except, <laughs> truly, and I'm not being stupid. They were all amazing. Like, at least for, you know, in fifth grade, I thought they were amazing. But the only band that I'm sure you guys know, do you know this, who opened for her for a Baby One More Time tour? Steps. Yes. Uh, well, of course, because that's when there was a great coup when Steps split up and H and Claire were going to perform their own double act because they thought they were big time because they'd been with Britney. And now hum <gasps> Humble Pie has been eaten. <laughs> 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 now Michelle Visage is in the group. Yeah, exactly. Scale it back. Right. Yeah. Few few two steps forward. Take a few steps back. Thank you so much. In fact, take a seat, steps, because <laughs> Were y'all Steps fans? Did you like Steps back in the day? Yeah, we did. I, I mean it had I... to be. It was like a sort of UK rite of passage. Yeah, it? I think that there were oh, really? early Yeah, I think early on though we was always ironic. Like there wasn't I don't think I don't think I've ever met a, like a true steps like no this spoke to me, Stan. Although I would say some of the ballads stand up. Mm. One for sorrow, I would do as an audition number. I was, I was just gonna say that. I was just gonna say <laughs> that's what they did at the Britney. I've never like actually actively listened to them, but I that the experience was so important to me that I viscerally remember <laughs> that like what the experience of seeing them live in concert and to this day if i text my friend who now like lives in ohio and like works for like dsw shoes like she's not in the business anymore but if i say and a one for sorrow she will text back and a two too bad yes. and this was the choreo they were just like doing like the number two and then like swiping past their eyes and i was just like they love counting based <laughs> pop songs they're like sesame street yeah for adults yeah <laughs> Truly. And also, like, what is the difference between you guys and S Club 7? I don't think anything, but... Just numbers. Mm. Just numbers. Just numbers. Just numbers. 
<laughs> and one of S Club Seven is a terrible racist. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. oh, is that true? Yes, Joe from S Club. She's cancelled now, but like, <laughs> yeah. not Joe. Joe is a Joe is like a terrible racist. She yeah. went on the Celebrity Big Brother over here. Yeah, yeah. She was on Celebrity Big Brother. Mm, there was yeah. a racism scandal. Yeah, <laughs> there was racism. It was racism. It is. That is terrible. Joe and Rachel were like honestly the faves watching like the the show growing. I mean, I I had their trajectory. I went to Miami, Florida for college, and now I moved to LA, which was season one S Club, season two S Club. Oh my god, yeah. you live the dream. Do, w- Rachel Do you now is- live in Dubai? Being a uh, oh wait, is that no? That's Lisa Scott Lee from Steps is based in in Dubai. Running she does a performing, performing arts college. college. Yeah, <laughs> see, see, Steps and S Club—they're interchangeable. They really are. I will must just say that Rachel from S Club Seven remains untainted. Oh, good. She's still a diva. She's a we goddess. live for her. Sweet Dreams by LAX is an all-time bop as well. Lest we forget her solo number. Oh, I don't know that one. I need to get into <gasps> that. I will send. I'll that send was it her to solo you, one. I will send it to you. Sweet Dreams by LAX. Oh, it's so good. Um, also, like, I mean, should, sorry, we will talk about Britney in a minute, but uh, Steps, I must stress, having seen the recent number, right, the comeback with Michelle Visage, it's worth saying that back in the day, they were upheld as a gold standard for dance in this country. And now the choreo is, I mean, you're, you're reminding me of the two too bad, but we thought they were like the the original cast of A Chorus Line. I think maybe with the benefit of hindsight, they might might have been slightly ratchet dancers. Yeah, isn't that magical? As you get older, you like start to when you like actually develop skills, you start to like yeah. see see the truth of things. There's also like when I was a kid, there were people that I thought were like amazing singers or amazing actors. That then you learn the actual craft, and you're like, oh, <laughs> oh no, oh, oh. Like, oh they, okay. Maybe, you know, maybe Mandy Moore doesn't have the most powerful belt I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) (laughs) But baby, she can act. Oh, honey. She's got range. Oh, you're you're so right. I mean, Mandy Moore, wow. Right? (laughs) (laughs) That's all I have to say. Mandy Moore, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Mandy Moore. Sip from the Texas Cup. (laughs) She's going to star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame now. Has she? Yeah. Because of this. A walk to remember. A walk to remember, (laughs) if you will. That's what she tells them. (laughs) Oh. Do you know, I just found this out because I just took my, my mom over to the Hollywood Walk of Fame to look at the stars. And it costs $30,000 to get your star put on the Walk of Fame. Stop it. You no. have, Mandy Moore had to pay an entire episode paycheck probably from This Is Us <laughs> to get her star made. You have to pay for it. Oh Worth my God. It. That's the thing. She's not actually got old makeup on. She's just, it's just that bill. It's weighing heavy on the, the poor woman. <laughs> she's got nothing but pennies in her pocket. <laughs> All she's got to keep her warm now that she's spent $30,000 on that. I just had an image of Mandy Moore trying to pay for her Hollywood Walk of Fame star with pennies. <laughs> Do you take cash? <laughs> oh, I've got nothing oh, else. I've got oh, God, I'm having so much fun. My darling, I'm going to ask you these questions. I'm going to ask you the cute. The, oh, my God, I literally cannot wait. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. I will always love you. Who is your ride or die diva? Is, of course, the one, the only. There are many, many divas. You know, I'm a huge theater queen. Many incredible divas that I love. I listen to all their memoirs, all their books. But my one true forever is Britney Jean Spears. Yes. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. She just, I mean, it, it. there is just something 
so spe- we'll get into my definition of a diva but something so spectacular and special about her and my gay comedian friends in LA and New York play this game called star or actress <laughs> it's, like, it's a little messed up but also very funny where they're just like you know Jennifer Aniston star or actress and actually Jennifer Aniston is probably a good example of both she's star and actress but like Britney is a star yeah yes. star. you know yeah. like it's it's just you know Kelly O'Hara star actress actress yeah like a, a, amazing amazing presence amazing personality but she's famous because she's she's so talented Britney is one of those people where like she walks into a room and you're like whoa I'm looking at you yeah but what yeah. you're saying is she's not an actress <laughs> look at- no she's an unbelievable actress actually yeah she's but. Some people's power is like linked and her power is in her stardom. Yeah. Not her talent is amazing, but her like I'm trying to think of another example of that. Julia Roberts. Yeah. I would say star, not not actress. Very, very good actress, Oscar winner. Yes, compelling. But Halle Berry, star, not actress. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. also Oscar winner, but like it's about the star quality. It's not about like like, I wouldn't want to see Julia Roberts do Shakespeare in the Park. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I get you. Exactly. Like, okay, Meryl, actress. actress. Uh, right. But say... Meryl st- Meryl's still a star. Still a star. But she's... Actress Meryl's first. an actress. You know what I'm saying? Barbara, mm. star, but can act really well. Correct. That sh- that's, a, that's a tough one. But Barbara's actually a tough one because she could maybe be both. But... Yeah. But I yeah. think... But I think star. I think star. I think I present star. you with Bette Midler. Ooh. Both has to be both. Both. I both. mean, has to yeah. But be be, be, I think it's star first, then comma actress. But it's really she's definitely both. Yeah, we've got a similar kind of game, which is can sing or can sing. How you can you can indicate your feelings about a diva via intonation, like Mandy Moore can sing. Oh, for whereas sure. she can sing, can but sing. Celine Dion can sing, can sing. And interestingly enough. Mariah Carey up until 2004 can sing. Mariah Carey post 2004 <laughs> can sing. Can sing. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. Oh my God, amazing. Now, I have got a pet theory about the Slumber Party theme tune. You wrote this track for Britney. Oh. Wow. I don't even know if you wrote it, but whoever. It's a, it's a song. It's for Britney. Oh my gosh. You're subconsciously, you're absolutely right. I think that's. She would sing the hell out of that song. She'd slay it. Well, I mean, we just we discovered that no one else can. No one else can. The vocalist you have is amazing, by the way. I adore her. Chloe Williamson. Shout out to my my dear dear friend Chloe, who who did Fifty Shades of Musical with me off Broadway. One of uh, one of those powerhouse singers where you're just like, you ever been in a show with somebody where you're like, how on earth can they do they have this kind of a voice? Yeah. She was she was like that. And then my friend Henry Kopersky wrote. Um, the music, but you're right. It's it's a Britney track. It's a Britney track, <laughs> and that's that's how deep your love runs. I can tell. It really does. It really does. Everything is filtered. Yeah, everything is filtered. Even my comedy. I'm like, I think back to her Saturday Night Live performance, yes. and I think that's the kind of comedian I want to be. Because again, like I said, star. But Tom, as you pointed out, phenomenal actress. Like she really mm-hmm. her her SNL hosting ability is. Top tier. Superb. It was, it was very good. Her Sabrina yeah. cameo. Oh, everything. Flawless. Everything. She yeah. delivers. She delivers. Right. Okay. <sighs> My second question uh, is... <laughs> <laughs> I've done, I've the, done them out of order. For the first time ever, <laughs> Holly has... So we've gone from 
We discovered a couple of episodes ago that she referred to them as the cues. Because <laughs> she was calling <laughs> them the questions iconic. and then putting a... Uh, an, uh, she's pronouncing a capital Q on the questions. Yeah. That became the cues. She's now decided to abbreviate... Is that an abbreviation? What's yeah. It called? An acronym. She's done acronyms for all of the questions. <laughs> so, for example, uh, what's the first I, one? I will always love I you. I will always love you. Who's your favourite diva? She's written, I Wally. <laughs> I know what I mean. <laughs> well, clearly you don't because what we've run aground here, listeners. Well, because Holly has now track, forgotten what they stand for. I've remembered letters. Uh, turn back time. Which diva would you send to which historical situation, and why? Oh my god, this was such a good question. I've flip flopped on my answer so many times. I would have to say. I would definitely choose Patti LuPone. Like, that is who I want (laughs) (laughs) to go back in time and just really mess some stuff up and just be like, you know, be be the, I mean, what a a true diva. So I would say for historical situation, I would send Patti back to the Louisiana Purchase. (laughs) (laughs) And I would have her haggle for... For how much they're going to pay for the for the territory that was once a very larger property known as Louisiana. <laughs> you, you basically want her to do what she tried to do on Sunset Boulevard. But... Yes, she said. She said before. She said in her memoir. She's like, I don't know why I can't remember these words. Call my agent. <laughs> That's what she's going to say about the Louisiana Purchase. They're going to be like, can we get it for $20,000 or whatever the small amount of money they paid for it? And she's going to say, call my agent. You're not getting Louisiana straight up from me. Put it in the contract. 20%. She gets 20%. (laughs) Oh, that is such an iconic answer. Also, it's so great for her because Louisiana is so inherently camp as well. She would just be sat there in full furs and a cane probably. (laughs) Patty is so amazing because sometimes you think like she has no self-awareness. Like when you're, you're like, oh, she doesn't even know. And then other times you're like, oh, this is the most self-aware person who's ever lived. Like you just, you know, like it's like, does she know that she's camp? And then you're like, oh, she is a a really good example of like understanding the assignment. If she got a camp assignment, mama would slay every single time. I mean, that Sweeney Todd that she was in was like so campy. Well, she didn't say a single consonant. Like, oh, I was a your honey. Like, <laughs> oh my oh, it's god, a I love song. her so much. I love her so much. She is like, I love her so much. Unbe- unbelievable addition to star actress personality. Like, she yes. is so weirdly, so much like a sh- she wants to be a Shakespeare actress and like this, like she wants to be regarded as the like a- an actress. And at the same time, it's like. She's the one person where I'd be like, I want to watch an interview of her. She's a such a personality. Like she would be amazing on reality TV or as a host on reality TV show. Like imagine her as a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh my god, uh, it would be. Everything. Oh my god! I mean, Real Housewives of Broadway. That's what we need. Oh just... my god! Can you imagine <laughs> Patty and Bette Midler and oh. oh her fighting with Glenn Close? Yeah, like, just full on fight, screaming just... at each other and throwing kettles across the room. Oh my god! Nothing on the Real Housewives will ever compare to that very real feud. Like that is like her. I, I want them to do a feud. Uh, Brian Murphy to do a feud season between her and Andrew Lloyd Webber because she's yes. mad at. She's mad at Glenn, but she wants to rip Andrew Lloyd Webber 
a new butthole. Like she, she does is still seething about that. Oh, so angry. So angry. I think she's going to come and sabotage his production of Cinderella because it's the only thing he loves. And she's going to rip its heart out from its body and make him watch. That's what, that's the master plan. That is so true. Can you imagine if Patty Lapone was mad at you? I would not want that life. I would not want that life. It's not worth living. I just combust. I would spontaneously combust. It's not worth it. She's everything. I was watching her do a concert footage the other day where she was talking about the production of Les Mis, obviously the original production of Les Mis. She was like, I was at my spiritual home, I was at the bar with the RSC, the barbican. Like, and she was like, <laughs> absolutely living for the fact that she had this job. And she was like, and it was so brilliant. Anyway, the, the story was that she couldn't be fucked to go on stage. She was like, I just took off all everything. I was sat there in the dressing room and she'd taken off like her mic and shit. <sighs> and then Roger Allen came in and was like, what are you doing? And Colin Wilson is just repeating the same bar over and over again. <laughs> the Eponine is there like <laughs> bitch like yeah. where are you at you, you've got one job is to come back and be a fucking ghost and, she, and you couldn't be bothered on your on your what you call your dream job i love that exactly it's, it's that though it's the self-awareness and then you're like how are you telling the story because she knows she's adding to the mythos to the legend yes uh very that also do you know that she denied going to Broadway with that show? No. She chose not to go. Yeah, she was the original London company and then they offered her Broadway to originate Fantine on freaking Broadway and she said no because this experience was so special to me. This cast was so amazing. Doing it at this theater with this, you know, with this London audience, I can't go repeat it because if it doesn't, if it isn't as good as it was this time, I'll be... I'll be heartbroken. And this theater experience was, was really special to me. Isn't that, that is a diva. Like that is that a person is a who diva. knows what she wants and knows her worth and is just like, I can't, do, I can't do it again because this was too perfect. Absolutely. Well, also like real talk as actors, isn't that the only power we ever have is saying no. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind mm-hmm. of amazing that she was able to exert that at that level. I'd have just been like, yeah, fine. I'll do whatever. I'll just, you know, be sex worker number two slumped on <laughs> Yeah, we're made to feel so desperate and like we're like we need yeah. that approval. And she was kind of like, I didn't have a job lined up. Like she was, yeah. and she she said, I remember flying um into New York from from a vacation on the night that Les Mis was opening on Broadway, and thinking, oh, did I make a mistake? Did I make a mistake? Should I be going to do a Broadway show right now? Like I don't have any work lined up. And then um, she said she went and saw it as an audience member and was glad to support it. But she was like, I knew I made the right choice. I just. I, I had done the show and, and it was over for me. Like, so, oh. so powerful. What a powerful person. Amazing. And a, and a closure that she's never had with Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> and <laughs> true. Oh, God. Uh, and now the film. They're making a fucking film. Oof. They are with Glenn. Yeah. yeah. With Glenn. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that poor Patty, honestly. Like, yeah. But to be fair, that is cursed footage. Like, that can, that will never. <laughs> That can never live on celluloid. This this will not pass. The cinemas will burn down. <laughs> they will, because Patty Lepone will start a series of small fires. And <laughs> on that note, I've talked about divas taking control. Who run the world? To which diva would you give the nuclear codes? Um Sutton Foster. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! Of Incredible. all our divas, of all our divas, she just has the the most like level head. I think she would. She's, yeah. she's the person that. Yeah. Yeah. She, she she turns up eight times a week. She's got the codes in her briefcase. It's 
She's not using them, but they are there and she's ready. Right. She knows when to take her vacation week, so she's not going to get like too heated about it and like make any rash decisions. Yes. She really is, knows how to like, she's a very um moderate, moderate candidate for all people. <laughs> she she's, is. She's very, uh, yeah, she, she's the one. She's the one, I think. She's Via media. She's Elizabeth I. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Global Holocaust. <laughs> I saw her give her Reno Sweeney in Anything Goes. And she could, you know, she, she could do pizzazz. Like, it's not that she doesn't have pizzazz, but she's not that diva. She's a oh, level-headed yeah. diva. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She Maybe. plays Reno Sweeney. She isn't. Reno Sweeney, unlike Ex- Patty, who is Reno Sweeney. <laughs> <laughs> she is Reno Sweeney. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She plays. Uh, <laughs> uh, material Girl, what is on your rider? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I would... Okay, th- this one's hard for me because I... Famously, like, never ask for what I need and then get, like, really resentful. That's a diva. Not a good quality in a person. Yeah, that's a diva. Uh, So I'm trying to get better about that and, like, ask for what I need up front. So, but I really don't need very much. So, like, a a bottle of water. (laughs) She's so humble. A bottle of water. It's not that I'm humble. Like, if I could think of more stuff I wanted, I would ask for it. I just... You know, there's really not that much. I don't. Yeah, I, I like to think that like the most fun things that you see are like th- accidents can happen and mistakes can happen and the performers coming up with it uh, on the spot. Whenever I do my stand up show, like my favorite section of it is like the 10 minute part where I improv with the audience. I do a, a bit called Hot People, How Dare You, <laughs> where I go into the audience and I scream, um, How dare you in hot people's faces. <laughs> And I think that's the most fun when it's like anything can happen. So I guess the I, the only thing I would definitely request if I was doing a show is, can you please, for the love of God, and this is why I haven't done stand-up and won't for a while until the COVID thing is like way safer, but I need people to be sitting close together. Yeah. Like, that's that's a thing I've learned from Patti Lapone. It's mm. like, you don't mm. want to be performing when people are, when you're not, set up for success it's just gonna make you feel like shit like i'd just rather not perform and in comedy when people are spread out Mm. like this it's like the the whole audience isn't laughing together so you can't get everybody in the same groove and that's my favorite part of comedy is timing and like i want you guys in the audience to feel the same timing that i'm feeling up here and if you're all spread out around a huge you know theater or outdoors or something it's like you're not gonna have that so when when it's COVID safe to perform again, that's my in my writer. Like if if the house isn't full, please ask everybody to sit together. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, Otherwise, it's like constantly playing to the Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah. <laughs> true. Truly. Yeah. Laughter is like COVID. It's highly infectious. So you know you've got to get people crammed in. <laughs> Otherwise, you've just got one little cell over there of laughter. It's not going to mm. catch on. And the like most obvious example of this to me was when we did Voldemort at the Edinburgh Fringe. We were playing in like a 300 seat like lecture hall. Oh, wow. And it was very cool because it was this big, you know, kind of they turned it into a theater and it was very awesome. It was so vast. But 300 people is a kind of a lot for a small like off-Broadway comedy musical. Yeah, yeah. And it was people people sat so high up and so far back. It always felt like the first three rows were laughing and then we like everybody else was kind of asleep yeah and we knew the show was good so we were like why is this this never quite feels right and then we transferred to london for three weeks and did it at the king's head pub in islington 
And that is yeah. such a tiny, yes. well, the, the farthest you can sit back, I think, is like four rows. And there's only 100 seats. And we felt it, the difference between those two venues was like, oh, my God, we're rock stars. Because <laughs> it was just, the, the laughter was just right there. Yeah, exactly. And it, it made the show completely different. It was like such a sleigh and so fun. Yeah. And then in that bigger theater, it just like, it got lost. Yeah. Because of, of the comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Because you get that slightly glassy thing, don't you, when you're going on where you're just like, okay, they're not laughing enough and now I'm just going to have to go through the motions like a like a robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to like feel it with them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, what does the word diva mean to you? Diva to me means attracting the spotlight. Like you are the one that the spotlight wants to follow. Yeah. Whether that's like an actual visual of a light or like everybody's eyes in the room. You are the person that is carrying this show. Mm. Like you are, you're the star. You're the Simone. Like you're yes. the, you know what I mean? Like you are the one, you're the one. Yeah. Period. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yes. You're the one. And my follow-up question is, Tim, have you ever been a diva? Okay. <laughs> I'm so excited to tell you Oh my God, this. I can't wait. So, Mostly, I would consider myself like the like uh, the easiest person in the world to work with. Like I pride myself on in college, all my professors like the note they would give me was like, I, "No one from my class will li- listen to this." I don't think because they <laughs> they're not following me my career around. I don't think, but there were only like twelve of us in our conservatory acting class at U Miami, and a lot of big personalities and a lot of uh, you know. I think they would admit this themselves, difficult personalities. Okay. And I pride myself on being like, uh, the note I would always got was like, you're a good collaborator. Like you were mm. really able to help. And I think that comes from my brother and sister are older than me. And, all, you know, I've always just kind of like gone with the flow. But then there every now and then if something, <laughs> if I feel really insecure, something goes really bad, I will be a full diva. And when I was 18 years old, I got cast in The Music Man in high school, 17 or 18. Um, and I beat the choir director's son out for the role for Harold Hill. And everybody <gasps> said I wasn't going to. And when I did, I just, I felt so much pressure. And I wanted so badly to be good because I had worked so hard. I, I went in memorized for the audition, which is like wow. insane oh for a high schooler. God. Like five pages of <laughs> of, of size. Yeah, especially the music man. Right, well. yeah. Like I had to sing like four <laughs> songs. I was off book for all of it. And I was just, I wanted it so bad. And then I got it. So then one night when we were doing dress rehearsal, I had like preset a clip. He like comes in with a clipboard at some point to like, I don't know, sell band music or something. And somebody had moved the clipboard into another room. So when I came off stage to grab it, it was gone. (laughs) And I started (laughs) screaming. (laughs) I just was like, I can't find my clipboard. (laughs) Not screaming at anyone, just kind of like yelling into the wings like, "Ah, I I need to go on stage, but I can't find my clipboard. Audible on stage? No, was it audible on stage? Could the audience hear you screaming? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! It was a, it was a. Oh yeah! I was screaming, screaming. I was like screaming. And it was a dress rehearsal, so there was nobody in the audience other than like our our choir director, who like came back on stage and was like, "Um, are you okay?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I just, I, you know, I'm tr- I'm trying so hard." And I also was like, truly, naturally, a bad, bad singer. And so I was very insecure about that. And I think that's where like a lot of diva energy comes from is insecurity. Yeah. That's 
I was I was just uh, just seething insecurity when I was seventeen. Oh, bless you. Stage heart. manager was like, "Did you need a bottle of water? Because we know it was on your ride." Yeah. <laughs> no, it's my fucking clipboard. Want us to put everyone in the audience closer together so you don't so you stop screaming in the wind. <laughs> What I love about that is I imagine the the clipboard was like not it wasn't like a vital plot point right you weren't like I've got this clipboard therefore no it was just a simple prop it meant so much to, it meant more to you <laughs> I'm sure it couldn't have mattered less yeah <laughs> it was important to me yeah I'm sure it truly yeah. didn't matter like I was just I probably was walking in being like so Marion what are you and like uh just holding it like <laughs> I'm sure it had nothing to do with the actual script. Or uh, you would get thrown. Anyway. You would have been thrown. No, uh, it was a fully realized character. I was thrown. I was 17. Oh, and I was bless thrown. you. Yeah. So much patter to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, my loves, we've asked. Oh my god, I'm having so much fun. Uh, we will take a little break, and then when we get back, we'll get into Britney Spears. We're going to start talking about Britney. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we're back and let's get the fuck into it. Uh, Britney, oh my God. Britney Jean Spears was born to James Parnell Spears and Lynn Spears on December 2nd, 1981 in McComb, Mississippi and raised in Kentwood, Louisiana, just an hour from New Orleans. She's the middle of three children, elder brother Brian James, younger sister Jamie Lynn. Yep, her parents just shoved their names together. <laughs> and Britney, can you even? Uh, Britney showed that she was born to perform from a young age. Now, you're, you've got older siblings, is that right? Correct, Tim? yeah. Yeah. So I don't like the the middle child thing with Brittany. I'd never really thought about that before. Mm. Like her being, because I mean, I'm an only child, so I can't imagine what it's like to have to share. But (laughs) I have heard from middle children that there's a lot of, that's that's a weird position. Yeah. I think I've only ever heard that it's like really, it can be kind of like traumatic, I think, for for a lot of middle children. Because it's, you really do like, you know, there's the whole old weird, like, patriarchal thing about the firstborn. And then, yes. and there's like a lot of weird pressure for that person. And then middle children really get kind of the shit end of the stick, I think. Because then mm-hmm. I'm the baby. I'm, I'm the youngest. And yeah. I think the, the, you know, the tropes about the youngest are true subconsciously, whether parents want them to be or not. Like they, right. the youngest gets a little bit of, uh, you know, more attention and it must be hard to be older and like watch somebody get to get babied when you're like wait that's supposed to be Mm. be taking care of me like that yeah that's my job I mean it kind of seems like Lynn she knew Brittany had it early on like she enrolled her at three in all the classes she kind of hedged her bets a bit with Jamie Lynn like and Jamie Lynn obviously has has her career as well like Brian (laughs) she she never really went there with Brian it was like (laughs) Brian. <laughs> he'll he'll do him. <laughs> yeah. But you do might, you, Brian. Uh, <laughs> so quoting Rolling Stone's 2008 cover article, The Tragedy of Britney Spears here, uh, we'll circle back on Rolling Stone and their role in the Britney mythos later. Mm. Uh, but the quote is, Britney was a sort of Jean Bonnet baby, encouraged to enter the pageant circuit early by Lynn, the daughter of a strict Baptist dairyman, a dairyman, and a British war bride with dreams of escaping the small town life of Kentwood, Louisiana. Lynn was raised in the town of 2200 with Britney's dad, Jamie, a young rogue who popped wheelies on his motorcycle and divorced his first wife two weeks before he married Lynn. His own mother committed suicide when he was 14. Whoa. So uh, let's just move swiftly on from Rolling Stone comparing 2008 Britney to a small murdered girl and 
chat briefly about that. <laughs> it's so inappropriate, isn't it? Couldn't have gone for Honey Boo Boo. Yeah, no, no, they went with Jean Bonnet. Right. Uh, <laughs> for the dead one. Yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't really thought about. Uh, they also like they they that that kind of implies that. Uh, uh, Jamie and Lynn knew each other growing up. They met at an Elton Welcome to Showbiz John concert, uh, who Lynn somewhat shadily says is her favourite singer. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> oh, 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 Lynn. Uh, but yeah, I just want she probably just goes. I just like the songs. I just like the songs, baby. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot packed into that little bit from Rolling Stone there, and this like it kind of obviously it prefigures Jamie being a massive bad egg, like him mm-hmm. popping ro- popping wheelies and being a bit of a rogue and Lynn kind of spotting him and they're being, but I had no idea about him just being divorced just before he met her. Didn't know that either. And I didn't know about the tragedy of his mom, which who knows how that plays into this whole thing, but like, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of, that's a lot of trauma and a lot of rash emotional decision making, especially the, the, two weeks getting married to someone else two weeks after your divorce is that's pretty quick (laughs) it's pretty quick exactly i think you're so right i think it's really interesting that there is clearly this trauma in the family that is not really dealt with um Mm. at all yeah and also that kind of southern baptist era like Mm -hmm. we like Mm -hmm. britney's growing up in the reagan era as well which is like there was so much going on in terms of the economics in that area that were really tough so it's like, it's it's not, it's a tough childhood for her. It's a, and it's a tough background she's coming into. A town of 2,000 people? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. It's really crazy. Yeah, yeah mm. just growing up in a small town like that in general, I think is probably, I don't know how, how it is in the UK, but in America, I think in general, if you are different in any way, it's really traumatic. <laughs> like you really like we really thrive in this country, especially in the South. I'm being this like, yeah, this this is who we are, and we're together in this, and and everybody fall in line, kind of a thing. It, even though we are we're a cultural melting pot, and with, what makes America beautiful is like that it's people from all over the world. That like really gets lost in those small towns, and it really is about like a weird creepy unity that is like not about individualism so it must have been strange to be a true star and have all this talent and I just picture her as a young girl growing up in that town like not having many friends like I I picture like Mm. a lot of the other girls being really jealous of her because how could you not be like she was on TV, you know, 2,000 people in your town, that means you're going to, to middle school and high school with, like, I don't know, 10 to 20 other kids in your grade. Like, that is a lot of close comparison and probably wields, like, a lot of jealousy in a place where everybody keeps everything really close to their chest and doesn't express their real feelings, which is talked about in this incredible novel, uh, a Mother's Gift, written by <sighs> Britney and Lynn Spears. And it's <laughs> it's all about that. It's all about, like, she goes to a... It's all about a high school girl who goes to performing arts school, and they're really, really super Baptist, and they um, there's a lot they're not allowed to do, which is, like, Britney's whole... I mean, her whole tragic and beautiful point of view in this world is, like, she's, you know, princess trapped in a tower kind of a yeah. thing. 
Yeah, mm. exactly. She's she's overprotected. She's sort of cin- the Cinderella stuff from the yeah. Third, yeah she's a definitely. slave for you in a toxic relationship. They're <laughs> driving her crazy. <laughs> And they keep doing it. And she and has again. to keep again. coming out with the records. Oops, I did it again. Yeah. Oh, I love it. But yeah, have you seen this? Some footage on YouTube from the Mickey Mouse Club, which is a VT of her in when she goes back to Kentwood. And it, I get the strong suspicion. It's like, I like to play with my friends. And there's like, she's playing basketball. You're like, I don't think you know these kids. I don't know where they've got these from. Like, they could be extras. And then there's yeah. a really cute bit where she like goes to her grandma's crawfish shop and she's like detailing crawfish and like getting really stuck into it. You're like, oh, I feel like that might be something that you're more familiar with. But the the socializing doesn't look authentic somehow. I mean, she's selling it because she's a star. Wow. But like, yeah, it didn't look like kids playing naturally. <laughs> That's incredible. That's the thing with Britney is she has has always had this really unique ability to be completely authentic even doing something completely inauthentic like yeah she she just it she just cannot help but be herself which is i think why so many of us are so attracted to her yeah. is like she she just wields this power of like well here i am and, and this mm-hmm. is me I'm, I'm like very relatable even though i'm one of the most gorgeous creatures to ever walk the face of the earth yeah like yeah. and and it does feel like the puppet masters around her, namely her parents, are like forcing her into these weird situations like here, play basketball with these kids. And she's totally comfortable because that's all she knows. It was like being tossed around as this like kind of show pony. It's really fascinating. It is fascinating. Uh, so, well, talking of the parents, Lynn was working as a school teacher. Jamie worked long distance in Memphis as a contractor and he struggled with alcohol. Uh, and I'm going to use the odd bit here from Lynn Spears' utterly chaotic book, Through the Storm, A Real Story of Fame and Family in a Tabloid World. Ooh, I mean, look, we're, we're all fully clued in on the fact that Britney's father, Jamie, the architect of the conservatorship, is not the one, baby. Uh, but in this... Uh, frankly bizarre book uh, Lynn basically sets out her stool as to why Britney's and Jamie Lynn's Britney's little sister's troubles are nothing to do with her and everything to do with the cocktail of Jamie and fame and what Lynn does cop to but does not dwell on is that and I'm going to issue a trigger warning here because it's, it's pretty wild she killed a child in a hit and run she was taking Brian <laughs> Britney's brother to the ER after a farming accident and then she accidentally hit and killed a boy on his bike. She spends two paragraphs on it in the book, then moves on to how she is still protecting her own son, Brian, to this day, almost as if to atone for the one who died. It is, it is wild. Isn't that crazy? Whoa, I did not know that. That is... No, me neither. Did she not mention that in the book that you've got there? No, it's no, not in they, the novel. that's not in a mother's gift for some reason. <laughs> Does it come up? That actually is so wild. It's one of my um, inappropriate and favorite things to do is like psychoanalyze people, even though I have no uh, actual knowledge of mental health. Oh, me too. Love it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, wow, that, I mean, that really tracks. Like if, you know, yeah. you participated in a horrible accident like that, horrible tragedy like that, it would, I mean, it would kind of make sense that if that trauma fueled you being way too overprotective of people in your mm-hmm. own family because you don't want anything like that. If something like that can happen at the hands of you, like yeah. that could happen to Brittany or Jamie Lynn or Brian, you know, if if she doesn't protect them enough. And unfortunately, I think what we've learned from like the documentary and everything is that both of those parents are 
too overprotective. Like they are yeah. too controlling at the very least. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. I mean, it's yeah, hideous. Like how I can't even imagine how you how you live your life after that's happened. But it's just yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Wild. Um, but so she throws herself into Britney and Jamie Lynn's careers with gusto. I mean, probably to get over the fact that she had killed a child, uh, and also because the relationship with Jamie was under increasing strain from his alcohol dependency. So by age three, Britney's in the Baptist choir. She took dance and gym lessons, and by six, she'd won Miss Talent Central States. Tim, did you have a stage parent, or did your parents not want you to succeed? my parents are the truly the polar opposite of stage parents like they amazing good parents but that's why my bio is so long because i'm just like can you (laughs) just acknowledge that i do this like my parents are lovely they're so fun and so wonderful but they are extremely extremely modest to a fault to to the point where i'm like i'm i'm trying to unlearn that ability and be a little bit more of a diva because i want uh to acknowledge my accomplishments and they are like <laughs> they you know if anybody ever compliments me in front of them they're very like oh you know they'll, they'll turn it around real quick and like talk about their kid like they're, they're <laughs> those people which i think I'm, is definitely the better end of the deal i would i don't know how i would and i would yeah i would, I would have a hard time do you guys have stage parents no no i not well my parents my mom is very camp um and my my dad my, my parents like tangent my, my dad's a, a director uh director of documentaries and stuff so I grew up with quite a lot of actors around and my, but my mum was a producer and stuff and then she basically like yeah she she's very very interested in in the Lestage but she doesn't want to be on it and she is she is put like she does really want me to be I think she'd love me to have been more successful. <laughs> a life-size life painting of you. She does have a life-size oil painting of me in her corridor. Oh my God, I love that. I love that. Yeah. That's a diva. Yeah, that is You're a, a diva. I'm a diva. Uh, but no, she didn't really push me as a kid. I was really bad in any in like guest spot that my dad had me do in his stuff. I was like, look at the camera and just be horrible at it. Um, <laughs> Hands. Yeah. But your, your parents were kind of... Uh, yeah, my parents don't know anything about it. They don't know anything about that world. They don't know anything about like they've they've never they, like I once uh, had to explain. One of my friends, uh, his dad is an editor, film editor, and I once had to explain what that was to my parents because they couldn't understand. Basically, I think they think television just is uh, just like happens somewhere and then is beamed into their living room. Yeah, and that's yeah. like all the stuff like the idea of like trying to explain to them the editor was. I was like, well, you. You wait till I started trying to explain like DPs and best boys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just tried to explain DPs to my parents, and they Fuck. so sweetly were like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like, they're like the director. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Incredible. So yeah, so it didn't. Yeah, never really. Um, yeah, so it was never. It was never really going to be helpful, which no. is my level of success. <laughs> <laughs> So at eight years old, Lynn drove Britney eight hours from Kentwood to Atlanta to an audition for revamped the Mickey Mouse Club in Atlanta. She was too young for the show, so Lynn tried to pass her off as nine. Because what? Lynn Spears deserves a lifetime movie. Wow. Eight hours. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Just imagine that car journey. Like, I know, I know you're, you're, you're too young, but we're going anyway. Watch the road. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, for fuck's sake, Lynn, keep eyes on the road. <laughs> Put those lashes on and get in the car. Draw some old age makeup on on your wrinkles and let's make this happen, Brittany. 
Just Come on, Mandy red. Moore, you are kidding. What year were you born? What year were you born? <laughs> repeat, repeat it. Have either of you read Jessica Simpson's amazing masterpiece of a novel? I can't believe you. I, I heard you speaking about this on the podcast. I was like, I can't wait to talk to Tim about this. <laughs> Incredible. Isn't it so good? She is amazing i'm so i'm a I'm number i'm a huge jennifer jessica simpson apologist on the strength of the novel really not even the music the the, uh, the biography right the novel right the novel honestly it, the it, novel it has it's the great american novel uh it has a scope to it though that does feel like epic mm-hmm. i really think it's it's one of the best things i've ever read it's yes. really it's so i'm not kidding no, I, I don't think so it's up there to me with like crime and punishment and you know the great gatsby like yes. it's it's so it's so beautifully done and like it's the the most interesting parts are the all the like almost britney spears elements of it where she just the number of times where she almost became britney spears and they were constantly like oh my god you look just like this girl who was just here auditioning which is what happened with the mickey mouse club and britney gets the job and jessica doesn't and it's such a fascinating look you know we were just talking about the success of the three of us yeah it's (laughs) such a fascinating look at you know, not getting success and feeling that f- unbelievable failure and feeling like this is the end of my life. Like this is the yes. worst thing that could happen to me. And it all, all of those times ended up being the best thing that could happen to Jessica Simpson. Yeah. Because to be honest, like whose life would you rather have right now? Mm. Right. Jessica Simpson's like, no, no one in the world wants to be Britney Spears right now. Like, no. would you want your dad to still be uh, in control of everything that you do? Do. Right. And and Jessica Simpson is a you know multi billionaire who got to do the whole performing thing and now gets to have the life that she always dreamed of, which is like having a lot of money, getting to be creative, making fashion designs, and you know being a full time mom and wife. And you know it's just so fascinating to me that like Jessica kept not getting the opportunities that Britney got. Mm. And then that skyrocket to fame like really imploded for Britney. Yeah. And all of those rejections fueled Jessica Simpson into this like, into this like beautiful place where she is now where she seems truly happy and like at an arm's length distance from show business. 100 I think we all know that the real winner was Nick Lachey who now gets to present Love is Blind, which is <laughs> the craziest thing I've ever seen on a screen. That is true. <laughs> It's the most insane television show. And a uh, girl, could could he have less charisma, you right? know, or talent? None of it. None of the above. He's a void. His wife is carrying that that hosting ability so much. And he's just kind of doofishly standing there. I'm like, Nick, take some hosting classes, girl. Right. <laughs> we thought it was part of the, the complete lunacy of that program. And, and like, because everything about it is crazy, right? So it seemed even, even like part of the craziness was, oh, we've got Nick Lachey and his wife. And they just come in like, Twice in like seven or eight episodes. <laughs> yeah, they have no involvement. And we in thought it. that was pretty crazy. We're like, oh well, because because the, the show is mad. It's madness. Yeah. This is this is pure hot madness. And actually, it just turns out he probably wasn't very good at it. So they just no. kept him away from. The- they just cut all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was John Early who tweeted like the Lachey's worked two days on set on Love Is Blind. <laughs> That's true. But in talking of like brushes with, you know, destiny or what could have been, the the Timberlake material in that book is incendiary. <laughs> he is the scourge of the divas. There is nothing he will not do mm-hmm. to bring a good woman down. Like I agree completely. Awful. When she tanks her audition for Mickey Mouse Club and she's in between Britney and Christina, Justin is literally like little nine-year-old shitty little 
Justin fucking Timberlake is there going like and, and gives her this face that just that Jessica knows that she's blown it and you're like <gasps> he's so malevolent he's a malevolent creature yeah. Yeah, he really is. He's really a a butthole. He he's like a butthole. <laughs> he's really a butthole. And then later in life, like asking Ryan oh! um, yeah! Gosling if if he's if he's like hooked up with Jessica Simpson when they were children. He's so just gross. kind of like a, he's a diva, like in a bad way. He's like mm-hmm. obviously deeply insecure about something. And yes, maybe I wonder maybe if like his inability to be like a relatable and down-to-earth person because he's mm-hmm. always yeah. been in the spotlight and he doesn't have what Britney has. He, no. he is, in in like the electoral of it all, he is the candidate that is like cold and unapproachable and Britney is, you know, Britney is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and yes. Justin is... Um, Hillary Clinton. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, you're yeah. right. He's, yeah. he's Hillary Clinton. I mean, love Hillary to death, but... But she, but there is that he's Hillary Clinton. He's got that like mm, no, you're pretentious and like you think you're better than me quality. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the thing is, you can tell that he does. He seems like an absolute dick. Yeah, he does. I mean, he's a, he's an he's an actress, isn't he? He's he's not he's not a star. He's not a star. He's an actress. Yeah. But oh, to call him an actress, oh my yeah. god. His one of, one of my biggest pet peeves in the world is like the <laughs> gaslighting we've been given that he was funny hosting Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Honey, oh. Britney was funny hosting Saturday Night Live. Justin was bad. Not good. And people are like, he's all funny. Uh, he's, he's an actress. That's how I, I would define oh, him. Nice. He's an actress. Yeah. He's an actress. He can sing. He can oh, sing. Yeah. Uh, but we will get fully into the, the scourge of the divas later. <sighs> uh, so the Mickey Mouse Club casting director, the, when, Mickey, when she went the first time and she was too young... Uh, she introduced Britney to another New York casting director who's called Nancy Carson. And she suggested Britney enroll at Professional Performing Arts School. And Jamie's construction business was really struggling at this time. And so Jamie and Lynn decided they just wager everything on their child. And she sublet an apartment in Manhattan and the girls split their time between there and Kentwood. I mean, talk about pressure. It's like I could yeah. literally make or break my my family's fortunes. I'm going to live half the time in Manhattan, half the time in Louisiana. Like it's all there. The groundwork is being laid yeah. when she's like eight. It's crazy. The pressure is too... That's too much. Subletting an apartment in New York City is so expensive. I'm sure Brittany heard that talk several times. You know, like, you you can't sublet an apartment in New York City and not talk about how much money you're wasting on it. Uh Like, imagine being a kid and hearing your mom say that and knowing that you are the reason that she has to pay for that place. Yeah. Exactly. And then you're like, okay, we're going to another casting. You're like, oh, Mm -hmm. I hope I get it. Otherwise my parents might break up and like, we won't have any money. We won't have a home. Yeah. Crazy. God, absolutely. Yeah. But she booked, bitch. Of course she did. She booked, bitch. Ruthless. (laughs) Plenty of commercials. At an appearance on Star Search, she understudied the lead role in Ruthless, a parody of Gypsy and Mame. Who was the the other understudy, Holly? Oh, it was Natalie Portman. No big deal. And Portman. (laughs) I forgot that. (laughs) Can you imagine that sliding doors? Imagine if they'd switched careers. (laughs) Oh my God. They're very, they they look very similar. They do. Yeah. Yeah. They're very similar presents, both of them. Yeah. And something slightly ethereal about them both as well. There's Mm. something slightly, do you know what I mean? Like sort of slightly away with the fairies kind of. I'd say Natalie Portman is an actress. Oh, not a star. Good. 
Agreed. Agreed completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed completely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think the irony of Britney appearing in a parody of Gypsy was lost on Lynn? Because <laughs> I'm not sure that Lynn is one for nuanced irony, if I'm honest. <laughs> like... I do think it was lost on Lynn. I think Lynn was fully doing Rose's turn backstage and had no idea she was doing it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, speaking of a lack of nuance, um, if you want to see some middle-aged men sexualizing the image of a 10-year-old, look up the footage of Britney on Star Search on YouTube where Norman Winter talks uh, awful, awful. I mean, it's it's, all, it's in the film, but, we've, but I, I assume yeah. most of our listeners will have just watched Framing Britney and it's like awful. Norman Winter talks about her wearing a provocative gown. It is honestly, it's floor length. She's 10. Uh, and then there's that the host asking her if he can be her boyfriend. It's just... It's so gross. I. It's so fucking creepy. I don't understand why we do this to women in the industry. I don't understand. Especially young girls. It's just weird. It's It was so strange. It's so gross. And like, I've got a big, big pet peeve about this anyway. Because like a lot of straight couples will do this with their children. Where they'll be like, if one's got a girl and one's got a boy, they'll be like, oh, they're going to get married. Like, what? Why? They're just... They're, the children. Why would you say that? All my friends who have kids talk about that now. About how... <sighs> super weird it's dying down a little bit but about how super weird that is or like when uh, a little girl is like looking up at at an older man we're talking like this happened this happens like with like little four-year-old girls and they're like laughing and playing with you and then an adult will go oh she's flirting she's not she's not flirting she's She's four like she's she's and and also like don't teach that little girl that any interaction she has with a man if she's trying to make him laugh or make herself laugh is in any way about flirtation yes oh it's it's appalling weird. it's that so is. gross the the we have a weird culture we really do yeah some friends of ours just had a baby and um some some other people in the group were like had these kids in baby grows that were like um oh my daddy's my valentine like hands off boys or something like totally inappropriate like what are you a baby it's a baby Ew. Creepy. Creepy, baby. Um, so, Brittany, you know, just before Mickey Mouse Club comes good, the family filed for blank bankruptcy, which, I, again, I didn't realise. So, like, it hits rock bottom, but then she gets the gig. Uh, she's cast alongside, obviously, Christina Aguilera, Justin Timberlake, JC Chazes, and Ryan Gosling. Uh, but obviously she had to duke it out with with just with Jessica Simpson, who really was the one they thought was going to get the gig, wasn't it? They were like, Jessica basically thought she had it in the bag. And then Britney came in and nailed it at the end of the three-day like Disney camp. And obviously all of those people are huge superstars. Yeah. Like those are all stars. Like everybody, everybody cast on that show. Like even though Justin Timberlake's a butthole, he is a, like, he's obviously famous for a reason. Yeah. And it is, but what's crazy about it is you know, I'm ride or die for Britney, but I would say Jessica Simpson probably had the most raw, natural talent mm. and ability. Yeah. But she was like really um, weighed down by her anxiety, her like performance anxiety. Yeah. But if you watch like that clip of her in high school doing the chorus line, it's like, <gasps> holy crap, this girl could like really sing and really dance. Mm-hmm. And Britney was an amazing singer and dancer as well, not to, and such a star, not to take it away from her. But there was just something like about those kids that they could snap right into it and Jessica Simpson 
was, you know, still a kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, there's, again, some amazing footage on YouTube of Britney and Justin duetting. Have you seen this? I, ha- I have seen this. Yeah. Tom, I don't know if you have it. They're, they're doing I Feel For You, the Prince Chaka Khan number. And obviously, like, it's it's a it's a love song. It's written by Prince. But they've, like, changed all the kind of slightly sexy things. So it's, like, rather than, like... Um, uh, it's mainly a physical thing they say like it's mainly a mystical thing and like uh, oh. instead of keeps me satisfied it keeps me by your side and they're just like so cute but so professional so polished but also Timberlake's logging yeah. it away in his head and he's gonna be like you wait till that prince fucker dies and I'm gonna undermine his legacy mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl <laughs> he's got it in there he's already oh filing it away God. I've never been so bored in my life Never in my life. It was a slog. So bored and so angry at the same time. It was. I was brangry. Oh my God. Brangry. (laughs) (laughs) I know. We will talk about the the Super Bowl when we get to it, but I'm just going to do a quick sidebar here. It is... It is a human rights violation that Britney has not had a full halftime show and Justin Timberlake has had the exposure. Don't get me... Start. Oh, we will. The <laughs> fact. Oh my God! Imagine her halftime show. It would be everything. She has more hits than I don't know anybody. Yes. <laughs> like she's she's just she is a hit machine, and that's what the Super Bowl is about. It's like those thirty second clips of songs that lead into the next big song. She would be surrounded by amazing dancers. Unbelievable. She puts Ugh. on a hell of a show. Yeah. It would be so good. Justice for Janet Jackson as well yes. for her being banned from the Super Bowl. It, the fact that Justin Timberlake got to play it again is so, so stupid. And, I mean, Britney's appearance with Aerosmith was so legendary and so good Ugh. on the Super Bowl so many years ago. Iconic. Oh, Iconic. Ugh. Who was the third? Why have I forgotten the third one? Who person who's on that? I think it was who's the, is it Triple Bill. NSYNC. Oh, NSYNC, Aerosmith, and Mary He's J. Blige. Three, yeah. Three times. He's done three times. Oh, Mary yeah. J. Blige. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's done it three times. Isn't Beyonce the only other person that's done it three mm. times? Mm-hmm. Motherfucker. He's, he's audacious. He is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Before. The worst. <laughs> let's take a quick break so I can calm down. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Okay. And we're back. We are back. So, the Mickey Mouse Club was cancelled in March 1996. God, what a way to come back in. I know, down. <laughs> <laughs> what a downer. Sorry, um, we're only going to 2002. This is, well, exactly. <laughs> but it's fine because Britney went back to high school. Although, was it fine? Because we've discussed that how traumatic that might have been for her. Anywho. She compared the school to the opening scene in Clueless with all the cliques. Uh, so, okay, fine. I was so bored, she says. I'm going to lay aside the fact that she's implying that the beginning of Clueless is boring, which (laughs) is probably the only thing Britney has ever done, which has made me unhappy. Yeah, fair enough. I was a point guard on the basketball team. I had my boyfriend and I went to homecoming and Christmas formal, but I wanted more. So this boyfriend is Reg Jones. Is it Reg? It's Reg. Yeah. Who is referred to quite shadily as an American retired sailor on the Spears family wiki, (laughs) which Holly has clearly been trawling for information. Um, he seems quite sweet. He's actually. fine. Yeah, he's sort of kind of sweet. The tabloids did get him to say that he took Britney's virginity at some point, which is rotted. But he seems like he was quite easily manipulated. I mean, he was just a simple sailor, right? Yeah, he now was. retired. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but Lynn urged him out uh, because she realised that Britney's single was more marketable, and things were beginning to take off. Here we go. So 
1997, disgraced Ponzi schemer Lou Pearlman, the man behind NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, was courting Britney to join the female pop group Innocence. Uh, the other manager of that band? Why? It was Justin Timberlake's mum. <laughs> Miss Timberlake. Of course it was. Okay, so let's have a little brief chat about innocence. <laughs> what was with that Please. weird spelling thing we did in the nineties, where it, like we had to take a word and like fuck it up, <laughs> otherwise the band fuck would it. Wait, uh, put a bunch of asterisks in there, like make it weird. Why? What? That was like it was aim culture. That's what it was. Yes. It was like it was very AOL chat. Yeah. It was like yes. They were they were trying to tap into like our generation's you know early like lingo like the yes. LOL and the uh, BRB. That's it what all. it was. So yeah. Bewitched with an asterisk <laughs> or a teens a dash teens. Do N sync have a apostrophe? Don't they? N asterisk sure sync. Yeah. Oh, they asterisk. Well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ninety eight degrees. We had to have the little degrees symbol. Oh my like, god. So weird. That was it. Was like that was like pop culture. That was like. That was J14 Magazine, Tiger B, like Lisa Frank almost even. Like, mm. it was like, what what looks cute on Trapper Keepers? It was kind of like the whole marketing behind, <laughs> behind names. Which is exactly what Lou Perlman was saying in his office. Yeah. In his airport hangers. Right? Yeah, exactly. We gotta what? get it cute on the... On the <laughs> think of what it looked like on the Trappers. Oh my God, Lou Perlman. Lou Perlman. Dance boys. <laughs> dance, dance. Dance boys. Awful. <laughs> Innocence is such a strange one for me. Like when you look at it written on the page, it says nonsense to me. It I know does. it doesn't technically say it, but it also says innocence. Innocence. <laughs> also, what a creepy fucking name for a group of little girls. Fuck you. <laughs> that is so g- gross. And also, imagine putting Britney Spears in a group. I can't. Like, she's a solo star. Right? Give me a break. Give me a fucking break. He's obsessed break. with groups. Uh, he is. The other girl in it was another mouseketeer called Nikki DeLoach. De um, so again, it's that small pool of like really fucking competent child performers who are now like 15, yeah. 16, 17. And they're like, right, it's harvest time. Who's going where? Um, <laughs> they had a Diane Warren hit. Diane Warren wrote two of their songs, which is like, you'd have thought they'd have been bigger. Like if Diane Warren writes a hit for you, well, it just didn't make it. It wasn't a hit. Right. That's so wild. But let's also remember that Diane Warren wrote that song for A Star Is Born unironically. <laughs> Why don't you do that, do that, do that, do that, do that to me? And on Twitter, she's like, stop making fun of this song. I wrote it for real. <laughs> also, I'm Diane Warren. And Diane Warren could be a fucking shady bitch as well. Like, she really can. She it's, could... so, it's so fun. <laughs> like, when she came for J-Lo at the inauguration, she was like, good luck following that after Gaga. <laughs> and you did commit, why do you do that to me? To the, to the Star is Born soundtrack. So... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you didn't have to hurt me is the name of the song. Diane, dust it off. See if it's a hit. It's my direct appeal to Diane Warren. <laughs> she listens. <laughs> so turns out, old Lynn, she knew exactly that she had to keep an eye on those fucking Timberlakes. Yeah. But if only she'd taught her daughter the same thing. Yeah. So she shopped around a bit. Didn't go all in on innocence. <laughs> I don't think anyone did. No. Uh, Britney made a demo, which, she, they, which they shopped to about four different labels, three of which rejected her, saying that boy bands were where it was at. And there wasn't going to be another huge female star like Madonna. Stupid. What well, did they know? Stupid. <laughs> so, so stupid. 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 <laughs> 
I hope you feel There's sick. three stupid idiots and one person who I have no idea what they said. Well, it was Jive Records. Senior Vice President of A&R Jeff Fenster said about Brit's audition that it's very rare to hear someone that age who can deliver emotional content and commercial appeal. For any artist, the motivation, the eye of the tiger is extremely important. And Britney had that. 100%. Uh, Tim, do you know what her audition song was? I don't. <gasps> it was. It's unexpected, right? And it's... Was it, I, was it I Will Always Love You? Same artist, same artist. It was. Okay, wait, let me guess again. Let me guess again. Um, I Want to Dance with Somebody? Again, good guess. Ballad. It was a ballad. Yeah. Um, I'm Every Woman? No, I Have Nothing. Oh, I did right. know that somewhere in the somewhere in the back of my brain. That's yeah. wow. Okay, Crazy, wow. That is huh? unexpected. <laughs> that is unexpected. Yeah. Big song, big swing, but you know, she booked. Babe, what's your audition song? What's your go-to? Oh my gosh, this was so <laughs> Define Gravity. <laughs> I define gravity. I was gonna say I'm Obviously. offer only Holly, so I don't I, don't, <laughs> I simply don't have an audition song. Uh, no, when I used to like, when I was doing like musical theater more than comedy, I used to always sing this song called Petrified from Taboo. It's a Boy George. Ooh. It's a Boy George song and it's really, really, really pretty. Um, and yeah, it's like nobody ever does it. So that was always. But then when I was doing comedy stuff, I would sing I Want to Do Debbie from Debbie Does Dallas. Oh, musical. dreamy. Great choices. It doesn't really hold up uh, as far as like <laughs> misogyny is concerned. <laughs> Um, but what yeah, does? it did, it did always book me like comedy, uh, gigs. Cause it's like one of the few musical theater songs with like a bunch of punchlines in it. Oh, incredible. Shows the range. I used to do that thing where you'd be like, no one has this, this song. It's like, I'm definitely going to do this. And then you, you realize when you can it to the pianist, like they're not always <laughs> the best, like at sight reading and they're like, they don't know this song. <laughs> and suddenly you're trying to like, you've got 32 bars of like absolute a cat kind of rolling over a keyboard like thanks thanks that for is such it. A, <laughs> that is such a good point that that would happen so often and oh. also it's like it's it's fine to just sing something that everybody else sings because normally those are really good songs <laughs> like yeah i once went behind two girls auditioning i forget what we were auditioning for but they both sang life of the party from wild party back to back oh lovely and then Adina, so, big choice yeah big choice and then i heard them from the from the room singing those songs back to back so when i walked in i said i'll be singing life of the party from the wild party <laughs> <laughs> Thinking they would laugh and they go, okay. And I was like, no, I'm just kidding. I, I just heard the two people before singing that song. So I was just joking. And they go, oh, well, it would have been okay if you sang it. I was like, oh, um, okay. <laughs> you didn't have to. <laughs> so you're like, do you want me to sing it? Weird. Yeah. I was like, I was just <laughs> trying to show a little personality in this 500 person open cattle call. But if we're going to be really self-serious. Don't do that. Okay. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? When when it all comes back, I'm just going to audition with On My Own. Absolutely. <laughs> Honestly. I, I, why not? I think it's come back around. I would never. I mean, she's not, let's face it, she's not an Eponine anymore. <laughs> she's still, she's clinging to Madame T at the moment. <laughs> she's a punch Madame at Madame Tenardio. <laughs> I think everyone's looking for that elusive moment when you hand the sheet music over to the pianist and they do like that kind of like a, oh, okay. Yeah. That's the moment. Because otherwise it's somewhere between they don't know it or the eye roll. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Right. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Uh-huh. Hey. Memory, got it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Jive hooked uh, Britney up with the producer Eric Foster White, who would go on to write about 80% of the first album, and is who is credited with shaping Britney's distinctive vocal style. Right, okay. So, The Voice. The Vokes. The Voce. I adore. Iconic. 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 Like... Okay, so she obviously, like, she would say that she, I think she learned a lot about from, about charisma and uh, uniqueness, nerve and talent from Janet. <laughs> and there is a vocal quality that's kind of similar to Janet, but I can't think of anyone else who uses creak like Britney since or before prop. Like, she's just, it's just, it's just one, she's such iconic. It's so smart. It was like, Ugh. it was, she was like, if I'm being marketed as a recording artist, let me do something that can only work for a recording artist. Like, yeah. I, I don't need to sing live. I'm I'm going to make, you know, who else is like that? This is kind of shady, but Adina Menzel, like mm. really sings, records so unbelievably beautifully that it becomes, you know, she does stuff in the recording room that's like, well, let's make this like something that most people can't do. And uh-huh. I guess Britney's not like that, but Britney was like, let me have such a specific sound. And I mean, you always know when it's Britney Spears. Like people do, No, nobody's really out there doing like Jessica Simpson or even really like Mandy Moore or even really as many Christina Aguilera impressions, but everybody mm-hmm. and their mom wants to hear a Britney Spears impression. It's like, because it's truly that specific of a sound. Gotta it hand is. it to them. And yet, as you mentioned on your podcast recently, very rare that anyone can. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Everybody thinks they have a good... I refuse to ever, like, do an actual Britney Spears impression because it's like, I'm like, I always think, like, that doesn't sound like her. But yeah, Courtney Reed has an unbelievable Britney Spears impression. Yeah, it's really good. She's the only one. Whenever Ariana Grande does it, hers is, like, good, but I'm also, like... I don't know if I need this. She no. is a good impressionist. Her Celine, Her Celine is, is great. Amazing. Her Celine is great. Yeah, Chris- yeah, that is is everything. Yeah. Christina's Britney is very good, to be fair. But like Christina, Christina Aguilera's Britney. Yeah. What? I've yeah. never seen that. Oh, it's 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 shady, but it's uh, it, yeah, it's it's on it's on Fallon. It's, they, they that's who does the wheel thing, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah she does. Mary had a little lamb, and she sings it as Britney. Oh, she I've goes seen that a bit one. heavy on it. That's like, fun, though. That's oh, really yeah. fun. Oh, yes. Don't say I don't give you anything, baby. Christina Aguilera, actress, not star. Oh, 100%. I mean, and- singer, singer, not star is actually how that works. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, when she was on, when she was a guest judge on Drag Race and she came back into Untucked and I was like, oh, you are not a personality at all. Like, you're not. No. You're really a talent. It's very mm. interesting. Conversely, yeah. can sing. Can, can, can sing. Can sing. Yeah. Can sing. Can act. <laughs> Cannot act. Oh, not searching in LA. Oh, I it? love Lost in LA. That's one of my favorite bits in burlesque. <laughs> she points. She I'm just going to go this way, then that way. Or should I go that way? <laughs> she has a map. She's a props queen. So, props, you know. She's a props queen. <laughs> <laughs> I live. So sadly, Britney had to pass up on the opportunity of being an innocence. <laughs> and uh, the world was deprived. <laughs> Her replacement, this is fucking wild, was Veronica Finn, who went on to become Justin's first girlfriend. Ugh. <laughs> it just goes to show that behind every man of the woods, there's a Mama Rose and an Oedipus complex, right? Like... <laughs> That yeah. woman is far too involved in his love life. I love how you just did when you finished that line. You just did the uh, Saturday Night Live news desk. <laughs> <laughs> you basically. 
Set him up. Did you know he has his mother's initials tattooed on his back? What? Mm-hmm. Are they JT? Um, I don't actually can't remember her, the woman's name. I bet JT. I've been bad mouthing for the last twenty minutes. I can't remember her name. <laughs> She's good. Irrelevant. Yeah, get the. I don't. I don't need any more Justin Timberlake knowledge in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Justine. <laughs> yeah, Justine, indeed. Anywho, so after hearing the work that Britney had done with Eric Foster White, Jive President Clive Calder ordered a full album. Britney had originally envisaged what she called Cheryl Crow music, but younger, more adult contemporary. But on the strength of the new sound, she said, it made more sense to go pop because I can dance to it. It's more me. So she flew to Stockholm, where half the album was recorded from March to April 1998, with producers Max Martin, Dennis Pop, and Rami Yacoub, among others. Um... <laughs> Cheryl I think Crow I would music. have liked to, huh? <laughs> Cheryl Crow music. I think I would have liked to have heard that. Yeah, me too. I, I agree. I actually think she would sound amazing doing that and very it would be very good. I think I think she'd be a very interesting artist, more like a like a Lisa Loeb or a, you know, mm. or um even like uh who was the woman that said, I'm a bitch, I'm a lover? Uh Meredith Brooks. Meredith Brooks. Yeah. Meredith Brooks. Like if she had done that kind of music, she wouldn't be the huge sensation that she still is today i bet but i bet she would have come out or like a like a michelle branch type like i could see britney really having a very different sound in that way obviously not anymore like it's she's not gonna make that kind of transition (laughs) at this point (laughs) in her life but that i actually think that that would have been good or even with like a little country shania twain cheryl crow mix flair she could have really really killed that it's interesting that the parents went for like they went, we're going to New York and we're going down that sort of avenue, the pop avenue, the Disney club kind of thing. Where mm-hmm. it's like, given where she's from, like being from Louisiana and all that sort of stuff, like you sort of think that country would have been the yeah. way, because it's so, it's like the biggest selling marketable though. genre of music in the mm. world, right? Like yeah, yeah. it sells more records in country than anywhere else. Whereas like you think that that Jamie and... Um, Lynn. Jamie and Lynn. <laughs> I've got Just think of a sister's name. I know, it's so insane. <laughs> it's so insane. Like... But yeah, you're so right. But I think what's crazy about it is like what I what the credit I will give them is that they just knew that she was an even bigger supernova than that. Like she was a a worldwide sensation. She like mm. country was too small for Britney. Like yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's so nuts that they really they all believed and knew that she would be this kind of huge huge superstar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And when I saw her live in concert the baby one more time concert she sang she lip sync a lot of the show but she sang open arms uh <gasps> by journey live Did she? sounded incredible and it, it was you know that's that kind of strange like almost rocker quality that Cheryl crow has and in her circus tour i believe she sang every time uh, the alanis morissette song every time she sings live I think, yeah as well but she sings the alanis morissette song um uh Oh, I forget which one it was now, but I think you ought to know. She's saying you ought to know. And you're like, oh, you love this kind of music. Like you, this Mm. is your, you, you you know, she was a child of the eighties and nineties where like, you know, Nirvana was popular. And and even some of the Madonna music of that time is like Uh very Mm. influential to her. And I could totally see her killing that because she did. She sounded really good singing that Alana song. 100% 100% if you look at this like look at the stuff she covers early doors like share like the beat goes on and the Rolling Stones yeah. like she's definitely yeah got that. yeah That's, she slays that song yeah yeah absolutely oh I love her so much but in terms of the style let's chat about Max Martin who wrote and produced Baby One More Time one of the greatest songs ever written ever written was uh-huh. turned down 
by the Backstreet Boys and TLC. Isn't that wild? <laughs> very different artists. I think mean, that's crazy. Like very different. But I think you can hear the influence of T Boz on the track. Mm-hmm. Like that, the way she punctuates is very much like how if you listen mm. to like T Boz on Waterfalls, it's got that creak in it, Agreed. and it's got the delivery. Mm. Yeah, I see. I see yeah. no Backstreet Boys on that track. But like, <laughs> it's nothing there for them. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that, but I could see it being an R and B song for TLC. Like, I could, I could absolutely see that happening. It's not the right choice. It's it obviously it's one of the like most iconic <laughs> pairings in human <laughs> history. Is Britney Spears with Baby One More Time? So that was the right choice. But you can fully feel a little bit of the TLC uh, influence on that song. 100%. In the same way, do you think that the theme tune to your podcast could also have been covered by TLC? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, actually. Actually, I really <laughs> could, hear ch- I could hear Chili. That's more of a no scrubs vibe. I could, I could hear Chili really slaying that. Yeah. She would. Absolutely. <laughs> so I've got, in terms of Max Martin and his massive, massive success, and also who I believe is the guy that did uh, Romeo and, and Juliet, right? Not Romeo and Juliet. Oh, and Juliet. And Juliet, the, the musical. musical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's his music. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, I did, did, that, wow. did that make it to Broadway? Is it? No, or... it did not make it. So we we had a, a very, very tacky, but really good fun show here in the West End called And Juliet, which was Max Martin's songs and imagining that Anne Hathaway, not not that one, had turned up on tour with with Shakespeare and been like, write a new bit to Romeo and Juliet where there is more female empowerment, please. <laughs> and it was just two hours of absolute insanity, but lovely fun. It was great. It was also kind of like maybe our generation's like Jersey Boys. You know the yeah. same way that all the nanas basically went like, go and see Jersey Boys. And honestly, every song they do, you'd be like, I can't believe they did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas with us, it was very much like, go and see it and you won't believe how many songs Max Martin wrote. <laughs> and you're like, oh, huh, yeah. how about that? <laughs> yeah. It was a good time. Speaking of which, he co-wrote and produced the third single, You Drive Me Crazy, another absolute belter. He worked on the next two records, Oops, I Did It Again in 2000 and Britney in 2001. He co-wrote and co-produced the singles, Oops, I Did It Again, Lucky, Stronger, Overprotected, and I'm Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman. Britney and Max took a break for In the Zone in 2003 and Blackout 2007, but Max came back for Circus in 2008. He co-wrote and produced If You Seek Amy and was one of the executive producers of Femme Fatale in 2011, producing singles Hold It Against Me, Till the World Ends, I Wanna Go, and Criminal. What the fuck are they putting in the water in Sweden? Genius. Isn't that wild? It's insane. Isn't that really wild? It's like, it's so crazy that every single song you just mentioned are my favourite ones of hers. Like... It's, I can't, is he like a bad person? I, I have no idea. Like so many of these music producers, I'm always like, I just assume that they're like uh, really um, abusive. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the vibe, is the vibe with a lot of these. Yeah. The Phil Spector effects. Yeah. Or like the dude who's like so horrible to Kelly Clarkson. And, yes. Uh, Kesha. Taylor um, Swift and everybody. Yeah. And Kesha. Yeah. Yeah. That. Dr. Luke piece of shit. Yeah. I don't even. Yes. Dr. Luke is a piece of shit. But, um. So who I have no idea. I don't know Max Martin's background, but it I, it's obviously crazy that he's truly a per- music producer. Yeah, genius. right. Uh, he seems to be quite nice actually. He seems to be like quite a sweetie, and I think they just took a break because. Oh good. Yeah, I think he was just That's like good. different change of direction. She brought him back. Like he's mm-hmm. yeah, he's absolutely everything. So I just we're gonna wrap up part one, but I think we should just discuss before we finish, baby one more time. The the <sighs> the song baby one more time. Not the album. Love mm-hmm. the album. We will get into it. We've got 
all the time to talk about email my heart later <laughs> on another episode. But those opening, duh, 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 like how, I don't think anything's ever hit me musically as much as that. <laughs> no, it, it hit you, baby, one more time. It really it hit me, baby, one more time. I, it, there's nothing. There's nothing like it. And you know that inspiration for the music video was her idea. Ugh. I mean, supposedly. I live. I know. Because she, she was so bored in her, you know, being a normal high schooler after having Disney Channel fame that she was like, I want to. I want it to feel like a school. I want to be like bored in school. I'm like, this is my fantasies that I become a pop star. So good. So iconic. And like, maybe that- She manifested it. She manifested it. And that's where like Max Martin's kind of genius as well infects it. Because he was apparently working with like more like Rocky bands, which is why those synth stabs kind of sound like a guitar riff. Because that's kind of what he was doing a lot more of. And he really worked with her. Like she stayed up all night the night before to get that raspy sound. She like apparently mimicked her vocal a bit like on Tainted Love by Soft Cell to get that kind of like woozy oh, delivery. I know, right? She's just, she everything I've, I've read about it was like, oh, she was so involved in this. She was in the middle of this. She was it's like, no one could take her away. She's at the core of this. Like a stick of rock is what Britney Jean wants to do with this song. Like a certain person called Madonna. Like a certain person called Madonna. Very true. Yeah. Incredible. And Everything. especially like the fact that it doesn't really make sense is, is kind of the language barrier thing. He thought it was like, hit me up one more time. But that kind of, what's she saying? What's that? What does she mean? Does she mean domestic violence? Like that kind of sums up Britney's career as well, doesn't it? Hit me up. He thought meant what? Like ring me? Yeah. Like get in touch. Like let's get together again one more time. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I've never really even thought about what the lyrics mean to be no. honest. <laughs> it's like, have you ever cared? <laughs> no, it's so not about that that it's like so <laughs> interesting to even think about. Because my mom would always reference that when she she was like, I really don't like I'm a slave for you. Like, I don't like the idea that she's like in, indebted to a man or like, you know, he's he's in charge of her. I really, I really don't care for that and I was like oh I'm, I'm not listening to the words <laughs> like, yeah. I think Brittany was either she's got she's she's got previous like yeah. in terms of like not really understanding the titles of her own song <laughs> How but we'll you. get into that oh my god this has been an absolute riot <sighs> I'm so obsessed with you babe uh, this is our plugs and so hugs section where where do the people find you where do they where do they get you you can find me at tmurray06 on all platforms, on Instagram and Twitter. And you can listen to Slumber Party Podcast yes! on my YouTube channel. It's also at tmurray06 or on iHeartRadio Broadway Network. Amazing. That was so succinct. That was brilliant. Like When, when people <laughs> ask me, I'm like, uh, I've got Twitter or something. That was perfect. Well, my, my bio is so long, I said, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta keep this one. Gotta Talk. keep it. <laughs> I'm just going to fling out of here. Get in, get out. <laughs> oh, baby, thank you so much. That was so great. You're just the best. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Diva Energy. If you did and you want to reach out and have a chat, share your BDE stories with us, maybe even your own Britney-related stories, or just tell us which diva means the most to you. You can tweet us at Diva Energy or email us at bigdivaenergypod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. This podcast is a Dark Matters production. If you want to hit us baby one more time, then don't forget to like and subscribe. Alternatively, if you're Justin Timberlake's mum, get, get in, in the, the sea! sea. Bye! Bye.